you're listening to Additive Insight, the original additive manufacturing industry podcast, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and AM intelligence. I'm Laura Griffiths, Head of Content, and I'm joined by our Senior Content Producer, Sam Davis. Hello, Sam. Hello, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. A few weeks into 2021, so I feel like I'm settled back into as normal as we can hope. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I don't think there'll ever be a slower month than January 2021, um, but it's going well. The sun's out, which has made a nice change. Well, that's the first time we've seen it all year, so that's, that's you know hopefully good signs. Do you remember like 10 months ago when we sat recording this podcast and it was a bit of a novelty that we were all recording from these kind of conditions from your conservatory in the back of my spare room and now we're just feel pretty much impervious to any kind of lockdown restrictions. I just kind of assume that we're going to be under these restrictions then anything else is a bonus. Yeah, it doesn't, it just feels like this is the way it is now that, you know, heading downstairs for me or into the spare room for you is just where we work and yeah, the office is yeah a million miles away almost but we did actually sit down at the start of the year to make some plans for um the podcast and of course some new features and that we can expect in the magazine as well for the rest of the year and one of them is going to be this monthly editorial roundtable which you are listening to now uh, where sam and i will basically discuss some of the biggest or most read news stories from the additive manufacturing industry from that month Um, And despite it being January, a slow January and a pandemic, we've actually had some pretty significant news stories already. Um, And we're going to talk about four of them on today's episode. Um, But first, a quick word from our Additive Insight sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash ultimakerpod. jump into the first of our four news stories then um some acquisition news let's start with desktop metal surprise acquisition of envision tech sam you've got the story there yeah so it i think it did come as a bit of a surprise at least to, to me and you we 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 knew obviously that desktop metal um were going to be making some acquisition deals they pretty much you know said so in um in the announcement of them going public um I can't remember whether that was in the summer or, or when it was actually when when it was all confirmed that they were now publicly listed. But at some point they they did say that they would they were going to be pursuing these kind of opportunities. And um mm-hmm. when you think about that, it was always going to be the case that they would then, you know, target companies that offer something that they don't. And in Vision Tech they've you know, they managed to expand their portfolio in which they currently have metal and composite printing technology and now with Envision Tech coming into the fold, uh, you know, a polymer process in, in DLP2 and bringing with that, you know, a load of intellectual property through around 140 patents that have either been issued or, or pending and, and over 5,000 customers as well in, in medical, jewellery, automotive, aerospace and 
and dental and in dental there's actually you know just a thousand in that market alone um, and you know that's maybe not a market that desktop metal's got a huge play in but but you know now they do um the deal is worth 300 million dollars um mm-hmm. combination of cash and, and newly issued dm stock um and it's expected to close um sometime in q1 um of 2021 um Envision Tech's founder Al Sablani will, will will remain there as uh, CEO of Envision Tech, and you know he he was speaking in the press release um, about establishing a a global footprint of customers that can cross benefit from the combination of their tech platforms. They've mm-hmm. Envision Tech are bringing across uh, systems like the Extreme 8K platform for volume production, which will start shipping at some point this year, plus their you know, existing range that are already out onto the market, like uh, the Envision One that was launched maybe a couple of years back now. Um, with with the deal, the distribution network more than doubles with this acquisition, going from, um, you know, given given them avenues into sixty eight countries around the world. So maybe it would have been around thirty thirty five before that. Um, and and you know, desktop metal will now gain digital casting capabilities and things like that via uh, the Envision Tech's uh, robotic AM production platform, which mm-hmm. opened the door to Foundry applications. Um, and, and DM also mentioned that in the, in the press release that they're going to, you know, they've outlined plans that they, they want to advance the performance of this platform with its single-pass jet and technology, um, which they think will help drive productivity enhancements and improve part economics across um builds as large as 1.8 meters by 0.9 by 0.9 um so it, it might have been a tech a takeover that that caught many of us by surprise but it seems like there's opportunities there that you know are beneficial for both parties and you know they're not just wanting to bring in existing tech and you know keep it as it is but mm-hmm. they want to actually look and improve what what invention tech offer and, and obviously kind of get that into new parts of the world and you know kind of almost grow together and Invention Tech are a company that have been going for years now. They are, you know, they've got every right to kind of call themselves a leader in, in the DLP market. They mm. they pioneered and, you know, Desktop Metal might be, um, you know, a, a younger company, but they've, you know, they've kind of established themselves as a big company at this point. They're, you know, the a billion dollar company, they're publicly listed and you know, I guess it made sense in the end for Vision Tech to kind of align with them and and agree to the takeover. Yeah, definitely. You're right. It was a it was a total surprise when when the news came out uh, last week. But in a lot of ways, it does seem to to make sense. I mean, there's there's gaps for each of the company that this acquisition really does help fill in terms of, you know, um, Desta Metal of course want to um, get into these markets like jewelry and dental, where Envision Tech have already been in for years and years. And as mm-hmm. you mentioned, there thousands of customers just in, in the dental space alone and they I think they tripled the number of shipments for the Envision One machine yeah. uh, throughout 2019 to 2020 so you know a huge potential there for desktop metal to get into this market and as you said it's not just about just and um, taking this technology and, and keeping it as it is you know Envision Tech's technology will also improve now with some of the capabilities that desktop metal have been developing and even though 
Envision Tech has been in the industry for such a, a long, long time. You, you could argue we've not really heard very much from Envision Tech over the last year. They've mm-hmm. certainly been one of the more, more quiet companies. And, you know, you, you wonder how long these conversations were really taking place. And Desktop Metal has been a very vocal company in the industry. I would, you know, I'd argue some people, if you're maybe new to 3D printing, you may have been more familiar with Desktop Metal yeah. than perhaps Envision Tech, despite their legacy in the industry. And when, um, when Desktop Metal appeared on the front cover of our magazine, I think it was about a year ago now with the headline bases loaded and about how they were going to be bringing out uh, various new types of platforms. We, we really wouldn't have anticipated that it was going to be uh, moving into to this kind of, to move into polymer technology with this kind of acquisition. So it really has been a, been a huge move for them. But as I said, seems to completely make sense and fill in a lot of the gaps uh, where desktop are obviously wanting to, to branch out and but both globally and in terms of technology as well. Yeah, and in terms of markets, if you think, you know, obviously Envision Tech have got the the plays and jewellery and dental, but, you know, there are automotive and aerospace companies that use their machine. And, you know, I'm sure Desktop Metal aren't having too much trouble kind of getting in touch with, with the big automotive and aerospace players, but they they now have an even, you know, an even easier kind of gateway into those spaces and into those markets. Um, there will be maybe um, companies that Envision Tech have got really good relationships that now maybe they can turn on and turn on to desktop metal and you know maybe there's greater scope for desktop metal to kind of establish itself in those markets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know this this deal happened last week really following a year of some major acquisitions within the industry like elsewhere in the industry mm-hmm. so we had Cavestro's acquisition of DSM's resins and functional materials business, which also includes its additive manufacturing materials for um, 1.61 billion euros. And then at the very end of last year, Stratasys merging with um, Origin, who are a bit of an industry newcomer, really, but with some impressive technology um, and a deal worth another $100 million. So lots of big um, transactions happening within, within the industry and kind of um, a bit of consolidation um, going on. Mm. Um and this has carried on as well this week, which is our second news item of the week. Uh, another acquisition, this time from Protolabs, who have acquired 3D hubs for a total consideration of 280 million US dollars. Um, just 20 million less, actually, than the desktop metal Envision Tech deal. So a lot of money. Um, Protolabs are, of course, a major provider of digital manufacturing technologies for custom prototypes, production parts. Uh, they've already got facilities in Europe, the US um, and Japan as well, I think. Um, this is a company that is very well established. They've been around for over 20 years. They've already got a, a range of manufacturing techniques um, under their roof, sheet metal, injection molding, uh, CNC, um, of course, 3D printing as well. I think uh, when we spoke to to Vicky Hull, uh, the current CEO and president on this podcast a few months back now, she said at the time they had over 170 3D printers installed worldwide. Mm. Uh, but then you've got 3D hubs as well, who started out primarily as this um, this 3D printing network just in Europe um, and actually grew to one of the biggest in the world. But very early on, they were this kind of desktop-focused 3D printer network where if you owned a desktop 3D printer, you could sign up to be a part of the platform and then 
offer your 3D printing capabilities for anyone uploading their parts. But in recent years, 3D Hubs has really expanded to offer um, more industrial 3D printing services and other kinds of advanced capabilities too. Um, so again, similar um, capabilities that, that um, Protolabs are now um, offering. Um, and they've also um, grown themselves. I mean, they've opened new locations across Europe um, and in the US. Um, they've had significant investment as well in the last couple of years. So it, it's been a, um, it's continued to be this this growing platform. Um, this, this deal is interesting because it, it, it seems to make it seems to make a lot of sense with the more kind of professional industrial direction that 3D Hubs has taken in recent years. I mean, according to a report that the company published last year, 40% of its 3D printed parts produced, produced via its network were actually for serial production. And the total value of its parts that were produced via the network had apparently tripled in value um, as a result of more professionals now accessing and using the platform. So mm-hmm. for Protolabs, this acquisition means they now have access to this huge network of, of users um, and I would imagine it's an even broader community of users actually compared to what maybe Protolabs is actually used to these mm-hmm. uh, professional industrial customers and um, given that 3D Hubs does have this background in that more lower cost maybe accessible maybe was a bit of a consumer style user base maybe maybe not so now but it's the fact that it's a much broader um, community that they've got there mm-hmm. and, you know Protolabs is all about this super fast turnaround on parts and really helping to facilitate these low volume production runs so this expanded network which i think they've got around 240 manufacturing partners currently on 3d hubs you know that will really help them to to increase that um i think what will be interesting to, to see though is how they actually integrate 3d hubs into the platform because the backbone of Protolabs is this really sophisticated software e-commerce platform where, you know, you can upload a part um, and, you know, you, you see how quickly you want it, you know, what type of process then that you want to use, maybe any material spe- specifics. And so it was very interesting to see how they kind of combine those two software capabilities um, to create this more expanded network of, of uh, manufacturing capabilities because, Again, when when um, Vicky was on the podcast, I think it was back in April now, um, she said that Protolabs is really focusing now on investing and, and enhancing its customer experience and entering the next phase um, of the business. And so this seems to fit really perfectly with that in terms of expanding that customer base and also really open the capabilities that they're, that they're giving to them. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if you think about kind of how 3D Hubs runs its business and how Protolabs does it, um, you know, it's kind of if if Protolabs wanted to kind of set up the the kind of network that three D hubs has, where they they kind of lean on manufacturers all over the place, that would take a long time to to set up. And I guess mm-hmm. it's just one of those occasions where I'm sure Protolabs would have the capacity and have the know how to do that, but it might just be quicker and easier to to you know merge with with a company that already does it. Um, and as you say, you know, three D hubs, you know kind of keep progressing in this direction of you know doing more and more serial production parts and it again it kind of just seems like a a natural fit and it gives protolabs perhaps more flexibility in, in what it can do and how it can handle its business and probably you know it's just a simple fact that they can now take on more business because now they've got more capacity to do so so um yeah i mean in terms of services i think you know i, I remember was it maybe a year or two ago, Exometry acquiring Shift in, in Europe and kind of expanding into Europe that way. I think, mm-hmm. I think for some of these, you know, services or manufacturing networks, an, an acquisition or a merger is kind of a, 
a nice and easy way of just expanding what they do and, and you know whether it's the technologies they offer or um the you know in terms of geography it, it kind of just makes sense um so yeah i imagine we'll see a lot more of this kind of thing going forward mm-hmm. that kind of ties in well with something me and you were talking about earlier as well sam this whole sustainability sustainability um effort too which i know vicky talked a lot mm. about when when she was on the podcast and you know you brought up before that this is yet again an, another way to really enhance that yeah because um 3d hubs can obviously they have so many uh, manufacturing partners in so many places that they can quite easily do local manufacturing and you know kind of distributing the file rather than the part and and producing it you know close to the point of need and and that would would tie in with as you say vicky's values and protolab's values of you know how they want to kind of run their business mm-hmm. and joe you know overall just as i've been in this industry now since uh, 2014 which was just i think a year after 3d hubs was founded and mm. they really were this kind of like you know young maker type customer base mm. really and it's it's really nice to see how they've progressed and to see them partnering up now with it with such an established name like Proto Labs it's really just one of those good news stories that that you just really love to see within the additive manufacturing industry yeah I think it you know it says a lot about their kind of growth over the years mm-hmm. um and as you know as we've, we've talked about before on this podcast there's plenty of those kind of companies that you know you think of Ultimaker and MakerBot and you know the desktop hardware companies like that who you know kind of have their origins in that in that market and then have mm-hmm. you know either change direction or just kind of grown their capacity and their expertise to kind of meet the needs of industrial customers as well as the kind of consumer um, or hobbyist space. So now moving away from acquisitions in the industry, we're going to move on to um, two of the most read stories on tstmagazine.com from this month, and they're both application stories. Um, But before that, a short message from our Additive Insight sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial-grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program, and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software, which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash ultimakerpod. Okay, so first of all, an automotive application story from from Form Labs on how the Ford body and assembly plant in Barcelona has been using its technologies. It is the first car manufacturer in Europe to bring Form Labs Form 3L system in house for prototyping and manufacturing tools. Um, and this is Form Labs' larger low force stereolithography system. I cannot say stereolithography quickly with a <laughs> stereolithography system um which they began shipping now around uh four months ago they, they launched it back at amog i think in 2019 um so yeah so they've only very recently began shipping um but ford has said to have already printed more than a hundred parts uh, from this system and um, but one in particular that they've highlighted within this application study is um these small plastic caps which are used um in vacuum testing to check for engine leakages and um, so ford needed to produce around a thousand of these parts which they would typically have to out 
outsource. Um, but instead, they've now to bring it all in house and um, stick a load of these on a single um, single bill, do it all in one batch, and just keep all this production in house, which has allowed them to to do it much more quickly and really just take a product from that design phase all the way to actually using an end use application all all under one roof. Um, it's just one of those great examples of an unsung application in additive manufacturing that Sam, you and I very much like to hear about, particularly when we're asking people for some interesting application stories, mm-hmm. but maybe they're the ones that aren't as obvious or, or glamorous, um, yet do have this significant impact on reducing costs and reducing lead times, etc. Um, and we, of course, we, we know Ford have been an avid user of 3D printing for a long time now. We've had stories of their work with, with Trinkle, a software company um, on a platform that automates the design of 3D printed jigs and fixtures, and then um, also Ford using carbon technologies to produce end-use parts. Um, and then I think it was last year, um, we also had the, the wheel nut locking concept in collaboration with EOS, which basically allows drivers to um, to use a unique code, so using the sound wave uh, from their voice to be printed into a part to help combat theft. So lots of really cool examples um, ranging from these really out there concepts to these very, um, I guess, kind of simple but super effective um, jigs and fixtures and um, manufacturing aid applications. Um, and then Sam, our last story is um, a really nifty application, actually, um, another one of those types from, from Dimension. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was um, it's a partnership we we covered briefly in in one of our TST magazine cover stories last year. Um, Proglove is um, based in Germany and is a, a manufacturer of barcode scanners that are used in uh, warehouse logistics and warehouse management. Um, basically, just tracking goods and collecting that data and, and that kind of thing, just so that um, you know manufacturers can just organize their their warehouses better and and keep an eye on all of that um they have a family of products called mark and their most recent addition to that range is the mark display which um is a a barcode scanner like the others but when it once it has scanned um the barcode on what you know a a package um it it doesn't just send that info back to their computer system or the cloud or whatever but it it presents the information on a small screen so the user Mm -hmm. can see Kind of what's going on as they're working they can see the product number and that kind of thing and these devices um are used by um by everyone but you know that the the pro glove devices are used by the likes of seat bosch audi volkswagen lufthansa um companies like that um and they've been using 3d printing since the start of their business five or six years ago first uh fdm for kind of early stage prototypes and then They've kind of moved into SLS to test the functionality of parts too. Um, and the only thing that was, you know, said to kind of stop them producing with SLS initially was uh, the mechanical performance and the colouring when, you know, when, when they compared it to injection moulding. It just wasn't there, which is obviously where Dimension come come in. Um, now Proglove print the casing for the barcode scanners via a, service bureau called uh, Formrise, which I think is also based in Munich, um, like Dimension is. Um, they clean them with the PowerShot C platform, finish uh, with a, a semi-glossy and scratch-resistant surface in PowerShot S, and then they dye the parts in a, in a shade of orange that matches the ProGlove brand, which is enabled by the, uh, the DM60 unit that Dimension provide. Um, ProGlove says that 
this brings the quality of their 3D printed parts much closer to that of injection moulding. Um, it ensures that they have similar wear and tear resistance and a, a premium surface finish. And now they produce volumes up to 10,000 pieces with AM and then, you know, they use injection moulding if they need to for, for volumes beyond that. Um, and on top of that, they're, they're also said to be working on some new products um, at the moment so that there may yet be more to come from from this kind of three-way collaboration um, of ProGlove, Dimension and uh, Formrise. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, this one's another really cool application because it's such a, it, it feels like such a small kind of insignificant part that you don't really, you probably don't really think about, but mm-hmm. just these kinds of solutions must be so high in, in demand. And the fact that these are being produced at volumes of it, is it around 10,000 pieces? Yeah. Um, you know, these these are huge volumes that they're using 3D printer for before they're even going to injection mold. And so it's some really impressive numbers. And I think the way that they can finish these products to this um, injection molder standard, just we've seen Dimension really go from strength to strength now and um, being adopted by so many huge names like mm-hmm. Daimler, BMW, uh, Jabel, Under Armour, um, just because it's, it, it really is allowing um, SLS to go to that next step, really, in terms of looking like um, kind of an, an end use part that we're, we're used to seeing and, you know, that with that injection molder quality. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, you know, we we hear a few times a year now companies coming out and saying that and, and not just i imagine to be fair but that you know the the kind of the the post-processing capabilities that are out there on the market today have, have kind of helped them get to a, a production part where you know in the past it it just wasn't possible because of things like the finish um mm-hmm. so yeah it's um it's always good to see that you know that it's enabling um production up to those kind of volumes because as well without without having the insight into you know i mean some of those companies will will require um if you think aldi volkswagen those kind of companies i'm sure they will require the the higher volumes but there'll be plenty of companies out there who don't need ten thousand pieces i'm sure and and mm-hmm. you know and it's good that that you know they don't then have to you know stick loads of of pieces and in inventory they can just go to am and and create the parts that are a similar quality to injection molding. Mm-hmm. And I think, Sam, that brings us to near the end of the episode because mm-hmm. we said we would try and make this as, as a half an hour show and not a big hour epic like yeah. we usually do. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you very much uh, for listening. Um, just um, a few things about um, some features we have coming up over the next few weeks. We are in the process of writing the very first issue of TC2 Magazine for 2021, uh, in which we're going to be focusing on um, a few different topics, including supply chain, which Sam is busily working on right now, talking to plenty of different companies who are looking at uh, new ways to integrate 3D printing into the supply chain, kind of the challenges and opportunities around that. Uh, We're also taking a look at software and additive manufacturing um, and also some applications in creative industries. So that includes architecture and jewellery. So lots to to look forward to there. Just subscribe at tstmagazine.com for your free copy. Um, And also on the podcast too, we are continuing with our executive interview series. Um, And we'll also be continuing with our editorial roundtable 
roundtable sessions too and we've got a few other ideas for some things that we've got coming up including some more uh, panel sessions as well but we'll keep you updated um, on that in the next couple of weeks if you like what you hear don't forget to subscribe um, on your favourite podcast platforms and if you do want to receive um, some more about the biggest 3D printing news stories and deliver straight to your inbox each week you can subscribe for free to our Addis Vintage newsletter by subscribing at tctmagazine.com where you can also get your free print subscription to the magazine you can also let us know what you think on social at the TCT magazine and also join in the discussion on the additive manufacturing global community discord so thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next time bye